Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. I'm trying to dissect something in the spirit, it's the best way I know to say it, and try not to get lost in a rabbit trail about dissection. Um, but I wanted to read um, a word that Cece wrote yesterday. Um, she said, There is a peace. And there is a pace that flows in the race I've called you to. You know, part of the releasing of the prophetic word on Sunday, it was it was number eight. You know, I'm kind of into the number thing. And it eight is what? New beginnings. And part of what I said on Sunday was that God is asking for a surrender. And so there is, um, have you ever been in relationship with someone who has a different pace than you? Yes. And what does that feel like? You know, part of learning, you know, God has called the body of Christ to unify. And part of that is giving up your pace. It doesn't mean that the opposite pace that you're used to is the right pace and you're wrong. You know, it's just God has a pace. And part of what he's releasing is an understanding that when I flow at the pace of the Holy Spirit, stuff happens in my life that wouldn't happen any other way. Part of what I'm trying to display through the word of the year is that there's a different way to live. You know, Cece described it so well. If I could call tonight's message living in the honeycomb, you know, there's a different way to live when you realize that you don't need to alter the way God made you. Now, you may be already altered. And so then God needs a restoration process on you. But how many know in this room that you are in the mindset right now of operating in your God-given design? You're not going to alter your identity or change your ways. You're actually learning to execute life out of the design He made you to do. Now, it, it doesn't mean you're great at it. But see, that's really the ultimate goal of how to live life. Otherwise, we're living life trying to attain something different. And so she kept, she kept um, writing, take charge of what leads your mind. Now, I like it that he said this first because part of, of how many would agree that when you came to know Jesus, really know him, that your mind was messed up. Yes. <laughs> and you didn't even know it. Yes. And so the mind is what begins to make decisions. Yeah. How many had a mess to clean up when they came to know Jesus? Now, why is that? Because the unrenewed mind makes decision out of a different source. Yes. That, uh, that, that, that's why the Bible says, be renewed in your mind by what? By basically changing the way you think. Your mind needs to change the way it thinks. And how do we do that practically? We do that practically by actually seeing and mimicking, if you will, for a time. See, the thing of it is, you're, you're mimicking right now. And so when you come to know Jesus, you need a model to display faith, to display power, to display authority, to display uh, your assignment, to display anointing. And so sometimes for a while, when someone says, raise your hand, you don't know why you're doing it. Right. It is, right? I mean, when I met Charlie, you know, he was a drummer and he had never even worshipped, but he was on a worship team. But no worship had occurred on the worship team. What the heck was going on on the worship team when no one's worshiping? So that was a stronghold because then he equated worship with a function. And see, 
You can never give God worship when it's not worship and call it worship. And so he says that he basically invades. He can't help himself. When someone gives him liquid worship, heartfelt worship, he rushes in. He can't help himself because we're, we're giving to him a sacrifice of what I believe and feel inside to the one worthy so that he rushes to that. And that's what it says. He inhabits the praise of his people. That means you have a, a, a design and identity. I'm God's. Yeah. And that's been God's design all along, that I just want to write my ways on some people's hearts and I just want them to obey me. Not because he's this mean old guy that has this plan. He doesn't want you to be happy because he knows he's the only way to peace. I mean, trust me, if the world could buy peace, they would, but they bought a coping mechanism. They bought them some CBD. They bought them some drugs. They bought them some prescriptions. They bought them some stuff to what? Soothe the thing that can't find peace. They can't sleep. They can't rest. They can't make decisions. They can't do any of that. And then what happens? It just continues to go and we pass it down. Then we model that behavior. So we teach our children to mimic the behavior of lack of peace. And then we put our children in charge. Because we don't know how to lead. Come on, all you parents, get your feet out here so I can stamp on them a little bit. Because we're afraid to walk in our authority because we don't want our children to experience what we experienced, which was pain. And so then we don't lead them. And then they grow up and they don't know how to lead either. And see, part of this word of the year is describing this. In this Analogy of the honeycomb. There's a secret. There's a secret. And the secret was this. You can be you. The way God designed you was meant to produce what the honeycomb needs to become a honeycomb. Isn't that weird? They're living. It's a perfect analogy. They're living in the honeycomb producing more honeycomb. But tonight, I let's, let's finish her. It's only five more lines. Six. Surrender. So take charge of what leads your mind. Yeah. So now I know some of us don't know how to do that. And right now you're thinking that that's going to be hard work. But then the next phrase will kind of mess you up. So surrender the reins fully into my grasp and find peace that lasts. You're not the melder of minds or the mender of time unity arises from surrender to my mind not to each others there is a simplicity you have yet to connect to restart your heart with connection to mine surrender the holding of keeping you upright now let me tell you what it feels like you know, I'm a good surrenderer. You know, there I I also get lied to by the enemy. How many got lied to by the enemy today? At all. Beautiful thing. It's not a thing. You're you're in his sights. But to God that's not a thing. Don't measure your life by the days you don't get lied to by the enemy. It, it's going to be a long life if you do that it's an indicator the enemy is stupid and he reveals his hand all the time and so when he reveals his hand it's a time for us to realize okay the opposite of that's true what would i do if i knew the opposite of that was true what would you do different would you keep building the honeycomb? See, he just wants to get you off focus for just a second. I mean, I believe that God has such a purpose and a design for us to run into that it would be so easy to do his design. And so I'm talking tonight a little bit about surface tension. There is tension 
Remember what we talked about, what uh, Cece said on Sunday about once that your little circle is complete, <laughs> I love that, that there is a time of tension. Let's just say that. Now, remember what she said? Our humanity's need for development was part of the plan, not an unfortunate detour. So you are in need of tension. Turn, turn to your neighbor and say you're in need of tension. It's not a bad thing. <coughs> it's not a bad thing. And see, when we realize that, that some of the things that we earmarked as bad, for lack of education, honestly it was. We were just ignorant. How many would agree that you've been supernaturally ignorant? And so when someone comes and introduces to you some supernatural activity, you're skeptical. You are, and you should be like, oh, thank God somebody is doing it. But we're skeptical. And why? Because we're measuring it up to what? What is in our heads. I promise you, if you were to walk it all the way back, I've done a lot of inner healing, if you were to walk it all the way back, it was just something back there that someone showed you or taught you or messed it up while they were showing it to you. And then what we do, we just stamp that on all of life. And so this analogy of this word is trying to say, okay, in your design, you are a producer. How many know that um, you're here to solve a problem? In fact, I'm an entrepreneur, and so... I can't hardly turn off that I'm a problem solver. We were having a funny conversation with my mom yesterday. She, I can't even remember what she was telling me, but I thought she was telling me about a problem I could solve. I got excited because I like to solve a problem. So I go into problem solving mode and I'm like, okay, we can do this. We can do this. And she's like, oh, I really wouldn't. I don't need you to fix any of that. Oh, well, dang. I was feeling good. I was, I was getting into my problem solving mode and I was feeling good, right? You're meant to solve problems. So problems then are the opportunity for you to be activated. And see, either fear gets activated. What happens if fear gets activated and I begin to solve problems with fear? Anybody ever done that? It costs so much money, doesn't it? It's weird. (laughs) It's weird how much money fear costs. I mean, like you, I mean... Let me just say this. I'm going to step on some more toes. Get them out here. Quit using Google as the Holy Spirit. Like, he, it should be the last resort, not the first resort. So when if you're meant to solve a problem and the Holy Spirit presented the problem, you should go to the Holy Spirit and say, how do we solve this problem? You shouldn't go to Google and see what a bunch of t- 10 other idiot people did. Come on. No, I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> Try it with some medical stuff and see where that gets you. Have you been to the doctor yet when they say quit looking at Google to diagnose your symptoms? Anybody? Are you still doing it? Okay. I would repent, but you know, you're just laughing at me. But that creates a way for that your mind says, this is how I'm going to solve this problem. So then when a problem arises, what do you do? You go to that go-to thing. You do. I mean, trust me, there are some wise things on there, but they're not the Holy Spirit. And if you're not really discerning, it's not a way to practice sharpening your discernment. If you're going to practice sharpening, does anybody want to practice sharpening? If you're going to practice sharpening your discernment with the Holy Spirit, he's got to be the only encyclopedia. He's got to be the only Google, the only search engine. He does. And so I, I, I think you're, we're supposed to talk about this in small groups, but what is your first response to pressure? See, what we do is we get over there and we have a little service engine. And we're like, oh, that's not God. And we go back over here. Oh, no, he's not over there. He is nowhere. He's not at that church. He's not at that job. He's not in that relay. He's nowhere. Because I don't enjoy the tension. Yeah. 
I don't enjoy the pressure because someone modeled to me. Just think for a second. How did someone model to you what to do when you're under pressure? You got to dip out, peace out. Take control, baby. Freak out. See, these are all imprinted on you. You're trying to avoid doing that. You, you judged them. It's true. When they freaked out, you're like, I'm never going to do that. Did you see yourself doing it, though? I mean, you're like, all of a sudden, you're doing the thing. And you're like, I don't even want to be doing this. Right? Come on, be honest. Because it's imprinted. That part of your soul has not been renewed. And so God made this perfect way to renew it. It's called tension. It's called surface tension. If you stay in, I, look, I, I've got this really cool thing from my dude, Randall Orley. I've got a parallel. Oh, it's, uh, see, well, it's number three. Yeah. When you find your tribe, you'll have friends that feel you're abandoning them. He just put this out today. I mean, he knew I was preaching on this, so clearly. It's not about abandonment. It's about alignment with those who are on the same trajectory as you are. Listen, you either believe that or you don't. I'm sorry that everybody's not on this trajectory. I'm sorry we can't all hold hands with everybody we've ever met and just sing songs and just all be lovely and unified. Wouldn't that be great? And we didn't have any relationships that weren't perfect. I wish that for you. It's not real. Because God did this one thing. He gave everybody a choice. Some people sitting in the same house will choose him over and over while somebody else sits off heart hardened sitting in the same house. I've seen it. Why? Because we have free choice. And see, here's, here's the cool thing about God. You can guarantee this. He gives everybody a chance to know him. So those people that you know that rejected him, they call it something else. They had a chance to know him. And they said no. Because that's the way God is. You you weren't there when it happened. You weren't there when the no happened. You think they just were always this way because you're just, because that's the way your brain thinks. Remember, we have a little bee brain. But no, that's not God. That's not my God. That's not your God. Your God gives everybody the same chance. Why did your heart say yes? Why did you say yes? Why? Why that day? I remember bro came to see me. He had long hair, sort of, you know, just on the sides. And, 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 he, had, and, he, and he had a hat on, right? And I remember sitting there looking at him. He was shaking. And I remember thinking, you are not anything like you're going to be. It took a lot of sessions of rolling around on the ground, screaming and yelling. Why? Because his soul wanted to be free so bad. See, your soul wants freedom more than anything. And the enemy is crazy how he can hoodwink our soul to make us buy into something that's not freedom. I mean, I don't think Cheryl would have ever known she would stand up on the pulpit last week and say, it's like living with Jesus. I know he didn't want her to say that. I get it. But see, what do you remember what she said when she said it? She said it made me come up higher. Yeah. So that tells me she was teeny weeny little bitty small Cheryl. And someone breathed on the gold in her and she began to arise. Yeah. See, that's what living in the honeycomb does. Yeah. I like Randall. He said, we humans, this is probably too small for you to read. We humans are tribal by nature. Yeah. I didn't make up that word. I don't know if you know this. It's in the Bible. God, you may be offended by that word. You know, I don't know. You might be part of the, yeah. But this God, God's tribal. We're given to gathering and communing in familiar groups called belonging. It's a need for empathy, compassion, and communication. 
Come on, all my communicators. Come on, Mendel, raise your hand. Come on, don't you love a good good communicator? I'm a good communicator, but see, I wasn't always. I had to learn diplomacy. I had to learn that I wasn't talking to the same person every time. I had to learn what people's hurts were and what their injuries were because that's what leads out. Have you ever had a 30-second conversation with somebody who was just looking for some empathy? What do they tell you? They tell you their little elevator speech about themselves, right? It says, there are those who have known you in the past that no longer understand you. Anyone? What are they looking at you? What are they saying about you? Think about it. Have you ever thought why they're saying it about you? It, or even recognize you and want you to comply with their rules and boundaries. You don't have to be flippant, but don't waste your time with people that simply tolerate you but no longer celebrate you. You know, I want to send out a word that that we got from, uh, I think Cece got it from Elijah List, but it was um, it was a word about that, This is a year of vindication. And see, I have found people who especially have been abused that you don't even know you need vindication. You don't even know you need recompense. You don't even realize that you have to have vindication before you can have restoration. Hear me today. You have to have true repentance before you can be restored. It may not be your favorite thing. You maybe wish someone felt like you felt, but I'm speaking to somebody today and I'm just telling you that God requires repentance. God requires people who know him to be in a safe place. Think about how safe God is. You know, I was thinking about this the other day that when Jesus was on the earth, Nobody knew Jesus was right all the time. We're post-Jesus, so we're looking at Jesus through different colored lenses. But when Jesus was talking in their midst, he was wrong to them. Aren't you going to be? When you're talking, they're going to be looking at you going, they're looking at Jesus going, you are a demon. Why? Because the things that were coming out of his mouth were only what he saw the Father doing, and he was in an environment that had never let the Father do anything. Listen to me. If you are going to do the great exploits that God's called you to, he's going to put you in environments that have never seen the move of God. For you to display what the move of God looks like. And so this is that year. Let me go back to finish what he said. Am I no longer celebrate you? That's another indicator. Just get around people that celebrate you. Just try it. Listen, if you've never been around people that celebrate you, you're real small. You are, and you don't think you can do much. And you don't really want to risk the biscuit. I preached a whole message on risk the biscuit. (laughs) Why? Because there's never been... See, celebration creates an environment for you to practice. You know, just even in our worship community, you know... I think it was last time y'all led worship. I can't remember when it was. Was it a week ago Wednesday maybe? Because Sunday we didn't. Well, for me, I was like, we're just we're just slightly like this. I can't even put my finger on it all the time. And, and you know, afterwards we had a t- I had a talk with Shudi and Bro and Cece, and we discovered what it was. It was like a hidden nugget. Well, that's you translate that. That same thing happened with Pam and I the very next day. I could just feel this. It's not big. 
No one probably would know it. I'm a knower. But I just, I said, hey, something is not right. I don't know what it is. It's just not right. And, and I mean, that's my language for it. I quit using the weird word. You're weird because people don't like that. But I said to her, I said, you are not the normal Pam. Well, see, it took us a while. And I said, you know, we asked the Holy Spirit. And this memory came back to her. And I saw... I could see it then with my eyes, my natural eyes even, how that had gotten in there to infiltrate my happy Pam. Wow. Right? Wow. Same thing happened with Lenny the day four. I was like, now you're, you're, uh, she was the other way because, you know, they're opposite. <laughs> I said, there's something, uh, no, I don't feel anything. No, I'm, no, I'm saying this is not really a discussion. <laughs> <laughs> We're not having a conversation here. This is me coming to you. And you know what Lenny wants? She wants me to tell her because she wants to change it. And guess what? We found it. That's so amazing. There was just this little, I mean, it was so infinitesimal, tiny amount of judgment. And it had infiltrated my happy Lenny. See, when we begin to realize Life in the honeycomb affords us the ability to see with supernatural eyes how the enemy is infiltrating your land. Yes. I don't even want to weed from him. That's it. Come, on. Come on. Come on. I don't even, do you, honestly, do you want a weed in your garden? You don't. Because guess what? You're part of a tribe. And if there's weeds in your garden, it's in my garden too. Every guy, everybody's got a part of the cart. Celebrate you. That's where I'm at, right? That's why it's so important to find your tribe. Jeff Goins, whoever that is, says, (laughs) clearly a guy he knows, but we don't know him. Finding, but this sounds good. Finding your tribe may be the hardest thing you do. Why? Where did you come from? Just think about where you came from. We all came from different places. Cece came from Greece. Shooty came from Nebraska. They're similar, very similar. <laughs> Gwen came from, you've lived in San Francisco or somewhere like that in California. Korea. Oh, Korea. Gwen came from Korea. <laughs> Sorry. I came from Japan. <laughs> How does God do it? His timing is weird. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable, isn't his timing? I mean, think about little Melody sent Lenny a text a couple years ago about some chairs that we were selling. What's that? Lenny just typed in her number and sent her a text, and those chairs popped up. And she was like, what? Where do these chairs come? Wait. We actually already met through texting. I mean, it's this generation's meeting. (laughs) Meeting place, right? That's God. Doesn't it make you go, wow? Finding your tribe may be the hardest thing you do because you're probably looking in the wrong places or because they're already right in front of your nose. What a struggle. Isn't it weird when you just surrender? Isn't it weird? weird. It's like there's something about us that thought it was going to look a different way. (laughs) It's just so not. It's just so not. Have you ever thought about that, that the thing within the tribe God puts you in is the thing that will cause you to turn into the 120 that we talked about on Sunday. So that means you're not, right? Right. So all you brought was your tiny little circle of wax that's all misshapen. Remember? Roundish. 
It's just roundish. It's not even this shape that fits in. You know, Allie sent uh, Cece that frosty picture today of those frosty bubbles. And, you know, that's the thing I love about Alakai so much is that she has that childlike heart. And so everywhere she looks, she applies what she heard on Sunday to all these different things. She sent me a thing about some movies. I mean, why? That's the way God designed her. That when she looks on something, she's looking to see where that thing can come true there. I just got so tired of making God prove himself over and over. He was like proving it all over the place. You know, this year God spoke to us about wisdom and we moved into this new house and two owls fly over our house almost every day. What do owls represent? Wisdom. I mean, does God need to make a show? He can. He does. It's just, it's just that when, when we realize all that he's going to do for us, when we unite with the purpose that God put in us. And remember, none of your spiritual gifts work outside the tribe. They just work for your own benefit. You may not even know it's happening, but outside the tribe, we're selfish. We're self-absorbed. There's some in the tribe that are, but we're but that surface tension causes that to be pushed out of them. Because then everybody's going, dude, that's that's you're only thinking about yourself, right? It says a tribe is a group of people connected to one another, connected to a leader, connected to an idea. For millions of years, humans have been part of one tribe or another. A group needs only two things to be a tribe, a shared interest and a way to communicate. Wow. It's real archaic, isn't it? <laughs> we got a few more than two things, right? Right? right. We only needed two to qualify. Are you good? Yeah. When you find your tribe, you'll have friends that feel... You're abandoning them. It's not about abandonment. It's about alignment with those who are on the same trajectory as you are. Listen, I don't know about you, but I have, I have just this great desire to just do what God's doing on the earth right now. I want to be aligned with people who think like that. We may not be great at it, but we don't quit trying to do what Jesus said we could do and greater things just because we're not 100% successful. It's not proof that God's not real. Humans are not proof about God. God's a standalone. Right? Now, another little uh, number five I wanted to read was from Margaret, our little Margot. We love her, don't we? Attachment is not a want. On the contrary, it's our most preeminent need. So much so that if left unmet, we have no choice but to accept substitutes. Now, everyone, I'm talking about living in the hive, okay? Everyone has gotten attached to the wrong thing. You have to understand this. You have to have this understanding about relationships, We've all been attached to the wrong thing. The way we knew it was the wrong thing was because it did not produce what God said it should. People have married the wrong people. People have gotten the wrong jobs. People have gotten the wrong friends. People have moved in the wrong houses. All these things happen in life, right? That's called life. It's my response to that. That determines my next step. I either grow bitter and I say, where was God? This should have just worked out just perfect. Or I learn what happened. Was, was I the problem? Was party B the problem? Can I make an adjustment here? Where do you want to be next week? Where do you want to be next year? 
Is there anything in your heart that you wish it, wish was different in your life? Anything? Anything at all? Are you just as happy as a clam? No change necessary. Everything's golden. Everything's good. I mean, I don't need any more money. I don't need any more friends. I don't need more connections. I am golden. I'm sleeping at night so good. I don't need any help to sleep. My relationships are perfect. Everything in my life looks good. I'm being used of God. I mean, He is moving in my life. I'm seeing the supernatural. Anything? Anything? Then if I don't understand that there's going to be some tension to change that. Because what I'm doing created what I, where I live. And see, this is the thing you have to understand, is that God made humans with this need to attach. Don't go sticking your attachment. Don't put your two-sided tape somewhere that's only going to hurt you. Don't put your two-sided tape somewhere that's not going to celebrate you. Because guess what? It will not heal you. See, when I need healing, I need to attach for a long time. Trust me, you'll know when you're healed. I need to attach for a long time to a place that makes me feel really safe. To a place that says, I really understand you. A place that's patient with me while I just regurgitate and throw up all my junk all over them. That just says, it's okay, baby. Come on, baby. You just keep coming back. It's okay. I know. I know you're just as ugly as you can be right now. And I know you don't even know what you're saying right now. And you are just kicking and screaming. Come on. Let me just hug on you a little bit. I like this. From Carolyn Lee, she said, number six, she said, when you heal yourself, you offend those who benefited from your brokenness. Some of you can't even see this, but this is just a truth. It's just a truth. I like, let's do number eight. This is from Henry. A sure sign that you're getting wiser is when you're increasingly becoming more aware of your own faults than the faults of others. Now, if you haven't started the healing journey yet, you probably need to admit someone faulted on you. So you got to know where you are on the timeline of healing. But see, as you mature then you'll realize I can own some stuff. It won't break me. I'm probably a little bit outside my godly character when I'm afraid. See, that's the thing about in a tribe. You get to practice a lot. Come on. How many have crashed and burned in the tribe? Everyone. How many were just, how many were received back? How many got? How many got a little spanking every now? A little correct. I'm sorry. A little correction every now and then. See, whenever we're in a tribe, we can be corrected and not feel condemned. Have you gotten there yet? See, I remember I have to pick on bro a little bit. I remember I would I would just try to just with kid gloves. You know, I had these paper little gloves on, and I would I would just say, oh, you know, you're not being a son right now. You know, you, you're not being in your identity. And it would, I thought I had killed him. Yeah. I was pretty sure. I remember what, I thought death was imminent. And there was, there was a time in his life that I had to help work him out of being corrected to where he realized he wasn't being crushed. Yeah. See, but there came a day where he realized it was how much I loved him that I even noticed. And see, we have got to learn to parent that way, whether it be natural parenting or spiritual parenting. We have to learn how to love enough to correct. You're not doing anybody any favors by letting them get away with anything in your natural life or spiritual life, either one. You know, someone's got to have the standard of God to be able to say, ah, oh. I'm going to pick on Breezy. So, you know, she came to Lynn and she said, hey, I'm going to give um, Gwen and Jackie a little present so they can have a movie night. And she had, then the devil came upon her. And 
right in that moment of giving. And all of a sudden, she, yeah, she just manifested. And I'm scared. Sorry, I'm scaring the new people back here. Anyway, and, and she attached a P.S. I want to give you this, but now you've got to give. And see, it, it took, I, I was shocked how many people kept participating. <laughs> and some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about right now. But see, along the way, I was like, did you have a check? I had a couple of people had a check. And they what? They overrode the check. And I was like, whoa. By the time I heard about it, I was like, now listen, because we were in the month of radical generosity, it sounded good. But see, it was a chain letter. Now, the funniest thing that God has ever done on the planet that I've ever heard of was after we talked to Breezy about it, the next day she literally got a chain letter. She could see it so clearly then. See, now, now, y'all, that is anybody? Are y'all good? Or are y'all fragile? Okay, some of, I, have, I feel some frigidity going on. Is that coldness or is that fragileness? Okay, well, we're going with fragile. Let's, she told me I make up words all the time. I don't even know if y'all know what she's talking about right now. But listen, if we realize that everything is an opportunity for growth. I love Breezy. She's like, oh my gosh. She said, that is so crazy. I could not even see it. In that moment, I was just doing something on the fly. I wasn't thinking. And so that's the moment where it teaches her to think. I love how it rolled out. Right? It gave us an opportunity to see something in real time. I think I'm going in there. So, we've just started unpacking these boxes of living in the hive. And Cece's going to come and close up. But I just wanted to encourage us to keep listening to the Word, keep reading it, keep understanding that we are just on the cusp of understanding some really cool things that God has for us, and we want to keep growing in them, okay? You receive it tonight? Fun stuff, huh? Are y'all enjoying the word of the year so far? It's been so fun seeing all the things that we recognize now with bees or hexagons and honeycombs and all of that. So one of the things I loved about Sidwo's story is, I don't know if he connected the dots, but the tile that fell and broke the, the cooktop today was a hexagon tile. It's a hexagon tile. And so I love how the Holy Spirit is just a good demonstration to me about how he's like, I'm so in this with you. Like I am doing this, this, this refining in with you. And I will be there to give you the hints to help you remember in this moment that you can see tension and pressure in a different way. And so um, in the green room, Shudi and I were talking and she brought something up that reminded me of a key point of something that the Holy Spirit brought up several months ago, it may have even been the year before last, I'm not sure, but I wanted to connect the dots real quickly to this topic of the honeycomb and being pulled into the the shape of the hexagon in the honeycomb. And it's the topic of needs, having needs. Now, I know I remember distinctly when I first came to One Life and I was very broken, hadn't received any healing yet. And I was so relieved to hear that God was okay with me having needs because I felt so weighed down by all of my unmet needs. And I had taken it on as a personal problem. Like I, my brokenness was because I had needs that weren't being met and they weren't being met because of the family I was in, because of the environment, uh, mostly that I'd made for myself, you know, the life I was living, my needs weren't being met for a number of different reasons, like all of us. But it was in the realizing God was okay with me having needs that opened the door for me to finally breathe a sigh of relief and realize that there is someone, him, who wants to meet the needs. That is a total game changer. And I want to connect that to the surface tension and this idea of pressure. A lot of times the reason why we have a bad reaction to tension in life and pressure is because it, it reveals a need that we have. It reveals a need 
even if it's even if we don't see it quite right, you know, um, Sidwell was telling us she had a need to do the job perfectly so that she didn't need anybody else's help to do it right and have it done right. You know, I mean, all needs come up in lots of ways. But if we don't see our needs well, we will have a bad reaction to that tension that will send us down a wrong road. And so I wanted to remind us that it, in that word that I'm thinking of a few months back, that Papa God was saying that he made us with needs. He made us and designed us with needs, and he wants us to have needs, and he wants to be the one to meet the needs. And so that is a game changer when it comes to tension, because really that's all that is in that moment is saying, I have a need in response to this tension and pressure I'm feeling, but I know you want to meet my need. So I will, I'll run to you with my need in this moment of pressure instead of buckling down to try to fix it myself so that I can get rid of this horrible thing called a need. You know, it's just, it's, he loves our needs. He wants to meet our needs. He wants to, to be that father to us that, that we run to and he lovingly holds us in that moment and then provides what he needs, what we need. And if you notice, there's a theme tonight of this issue of him holding us. And in the word that Tisa read that I wrote yesterday, it talks about us letting go of holding on to the thing that holds us upright and letting him be the one to hold us upright. And Lenny's word was about him holding us and his capability. And so this is, it's all connected. And um, as I mentioned on Sunday, when new revelation light comes in, it helps us to see and hear the scriptures in a different way. And so I wanted to read this out of Romans 8 in the Passion Translation to see if you hear that a little differently. And so in Romans 8, 26, it says, The Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our human frailty to empower us in our weakness. So it doesn't say the Holy Spirit sighs and says, Good. God, not again. You know, I've solved this for them 15 times. Can't they get it yet? That's not what it says. It says the Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our human frailty, the way we were made, humans, everyone has them, to empower us in our weakness. It even goes on to say that, for example, at times we don't even know how to pray or know the best thing to even ask for in our need. We don't even know what will solve our need, right? But the Holy Spirit rises up within us to super intercede on our behalf, pleading to God with emotional sighs too deep for words. Now, this is a, a pointing to the fact that God the Father, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus are all praying together, discussing what we need, and interceding for us. It's not up to us to even pray for ourselves. They're praying for us. It's not, even, it's not even on us to have the burden of answered prayer isn't even solely on us. They are praying for us. And so it goes on to say, God, the searcher of the heart, knows fully our longings. So just replace that with needs or dreams as we sang about today in the song that, that the Holy Spirit led us to sing today. The dream in our heart is there for a purpose. It's not a dream to cause you pressure or a burden or to be condemned by people. There's a dream and a need are very, very similar. They're, a dream and a need are very similar things. They, they generate the same emotional feeling inside. And that the Holy Spirit, the searcher of the heart, knows fully our longings knows our dreams, our desires, our needs, and also understands the desires of the Spirit because the Holy Spirit is passionately pleading before God for us, His Holy Ones, in perfect harmony with God's plan and our destiny. Remember when a few weeks ago um, we shared that the Holy Spirit's job is to search the heart of the Father, yeah. Father God, to see what He has that we don't know yet, and then to start declaring it into our atmosphere. The Holy Spirit's making declarations on our behalf for what we don't know yet, or we haven't gotten. And so they are more than capable and happy and prepared to fulfill our dreams and meet our needs. So, and this is now Romans 8, 28, we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan 
of bringing good into our lives. Bringing good into our lives. So every detail, that means all the messes that we have in our life right now, every detail of that mess, God is going to bring it into the perfect plan of his perfect plan to bring good into our lives. He will turn things that we think are horrible and could never be redeemed into good. That's what he wants to do. It says it in the Bible. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. And just put that over onto the word of the year about we were the perfect design. He's going to fulfill that hexagon design in that metaphor. That's what it's saying there. Who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. So again, he will work every detail of our lives into a continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. And so I just love, like I shared on Sunday, I love to read those verses in new light of this fun analogy and metaphor that he gave us. And though all for the purpose of in that moment of tension, in that moment when something comes up, I had it happen to me just yesterday, and it will happen again, probably tonight or tomorrow, or both, you know, probably both. And in that moment, though, I can be like, oh, instead of tightening up, because I've got to now figure out a way to solve this need without needing anybody on the outside to help me, that now I can just surrender and say, all right, I remember you like me to come to you with my needs, Papa. You like me. And so, so, so what are you trying to do here? Can you do that thing where you turn this thing into something good? Take this detail and turn it into the perfect design. Pull these walls into that perfect hexagon. And so I hope that you can hear that and, and that will help you in the coming days as you entertain tension and those opportunities to be pulled into that perfect shape. And so, Papa, we just want to say thank you tonight that you cover your word and your desire for us from so many angles. I thank you that you're showing us these honeycombs and hexagons out in our environment as we go through the day, that you're finding them even in the frosty bubbles while we're at work, and that you're highlighting to us how much you are on this, that you want us to experience the joy of allowing you to handle these issues that come up, allowing you to lead us to the solutions, allowing you to have its perfect work in us in those moments of tension. So I thank you that, as we always say here, that you are our warrior team. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit are working together with great delight, with great joy to meet us in the place of our needs, in the place of tension. So I thank you for this message tonight. I thank you for your encouragement, for the way you speak to our hearts and fill our hearts with your with your love, with your healing, and that exactly what we need in each moment. And I speak a blessing over everyone here tonight and everyone hearing this message. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would continue to speak on this message to each person in a personal way. Give them dreams. Give them visions. Help them to see signs on the billboards on the highway in a new way, just to see the words on the TV screen even pop out in a new way. I know you can do it, Papa. So we just say thank you and we love you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.